1: This episode of Everything Under the Sun is sponsored by Nitsa. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's, and leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Tragically, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. Please set yourself reminders on your cell phone or place something you'll need in the back seat so you don't forget your child. Always look for your baby before you lock. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast with stories and information about the weather and climate and other scientific topics that really are meant to help you navigate your life, how to weatherproof your life. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, and I use the expertise of our AccuWeather experts and meteorologists and friends and experts from around the world to help us get through these times. And we're in the middle of our spring series right now as we get you through spring. Episode 7 of our spring series is underway. And a very important topic I would like to cover here this week, as when this podcast drops here this weekend, Saturday, May 1st, is National heat Heatstroke Stroke Awareness Week, and there's a particular part of heat stroke, pediatric vehicular heat stroke, that we really need to pay attention to, tips for how you can prevent that happening to your family, and what to do if you're in a situation where you see someone who may be affected by pediatric vehicular heat stroke. That's coming up. In just a few moments, in our second segment, we'll check in with AccuWeather meteorologist Nikki Lobiando. her first visit to everything under the sun. She's a snowboarder. She likes cold, but it's been pretty darn warm at times. We've got some real big heat pushes. There are some chillier shots. We'll take a look at the weather for this upcoming weekend, which is off to a windy start in the Northeast, and then the weather into the week beyond. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. When you look at children's body temperature, it rises three to five times faster than an adult's. And leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death extraordinarily quickly. Tragically, just last year in 2020, 24 children lost their life due to pediatric vehicular heat stroke. And many of these incidents occurred when the parents or caregivers just simply forgot that the child was in the car. So... Here at AccuWeather and everything under the sun, we wanted to take some time to really go deep in depth in the subject to try to help folks to prevent this tragedy from occurring in their own family. And then also what to do if we're faced with a situation that actually I have been in at times when seeing a, a situation where I was a little concerned about a child or a pet in a car. And so what to do, especially for the Child aspect of this. We are pleased to be joined by the acting administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Dr. Stephen Cliff, to talk about this very important subject as we get ready for National Heatstroke Awareness Day here on Everything Under the Sun. Dr. Cliff, welcome. Um, you know, I personally have just come back from a trip, quick trip down to Florida, and uh, this very issue kind of struck me because coming from Pennsylvania, uh, the cars in the afternoon sun are getting warm, but certainly not hot. And then uh, going down to Florida for a couple of days uh, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, I went to take a quick uh, jaunt to the store and I came back in and my uh, the dashboard of my car uh, almost burned me. And it just reminded me of this very issue about how quickly, especially this time of the year, especially as we get into solar summer where we are really need to be aware of this danger of, of leaving our toddlers and infants and, and our children in the cars for, for too long so we can try to reverse the trends that we've been seeing over the last few years.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this. It's a, a really important issue. And you're bringing up some really relevant uh, information, and we can talk a little bit about the specifics there. But I just want to state up front that heat stroke is the leading cause of non crash fatalities for children under the age of 14. And it's really heartbreaking. So, you know, you noted toddlers and infants, really, no parent or grandparent or caregiver should have to experience this type of loss. And um, kids in cars can can suffer from heat stroke very quickly and so it's something to be very concerned about as you noted
1: and the numbers are staggering I know for some uh, public service announcement that I just recently recorded uh, we're we have talking about what two dozen fatalities in this regard just in the last calendar year 2020 and then the the numbers over the last several years are just are staggering since 1998 over 850 children lost
0: since 98 882 children lost nationwide due to heat stroke. And about half of those were un- unintentionally forgotten in vehicles.
1: And that's kind of surprising to me, uh, Dr. Cliff, especially now since we have so much technology at our hands, right? And and sometimes with the reliance on technology, you know, sometimes we forget the mundane things. So, you know, we're, we're making this uh, Saturday... Uh, May 1st, National Heat Stroke Prevention Day, to educate everyone about the risk of hot cars so we can help save lives this summer. I just mentioned, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, so uh, the heat uh, it builds up in a car a, a little bit differently than some of those southern belt states. So let's talk a little bit about the difference in geography here nationwide in terms of the uh, the kinds of deaths that occur uh, because of vehicular heat stroke.
0: Yeah, the southern states are particularly important. You know, you mentioned Florida. Uh, Since 1998, 96 children have uh, suffered from heat stroke deaths in cars in Florida since 98, and in Texas, 132. So it's not only those areas. There's other hot states, California, Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, North Carolina, and Tennessee also have higher numbers compared to the rest of the country.
1: Do you think some of that is because some of those are high tourist states and people? Uh, has there been any study about that? Is is it or are those deaths because of people not being familiar enough, or is it just mainly forgetfulness in terms of no matter where you are, but those areas seem to ramp up a little bit differently and more quickly because of their sun angle situations?
0: Well, I think primarily the the main factor here is heat. So what we're talking about is unintentionally leaving kids or allowing kids to be in cars as the car heats up Uh, simply stated the warmer states are much more likely to to have this condition be a problem because ambient temperatures are higher but even where there's lower temperatures we've seen we've seen these unintentional deaths even in montana where temperatures are lower even in the 70s outside a car can reach dangerous levels very very quickly and we all know that when you get in a car after it's been out in the sun it's extremely hot yeah that's a much bigger issue for uh children than adults
1: right because they 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 can't handle it like we can right they don't have the system to that's set up um and so they're going to spike into dangerous levels in terms of their heart rate and their and problems because of heat stroke much more quickly by maybe a factor of two, three times more quickly than an adult.
0: Three to five times more likely. Uh, that's that, uh, simply stated children can't handle that, the temperature increase uh, as well as adults and of course, don't have the ability to respond as quickly as an adult. If it's too hot and you recognize that, you can just open the door and get out. In some cases, kids don't have that ability. They're either in a child seat or uh, unable to uh, open the car door.
1: Part of this, too, is, uh, you know... uh, the misconceptions about this particular situation, pediatric vehicular heat stroke, where, you know, it's one of those things we we think that this only happens to bad parents. This only happens to people who don't treat their kids well, but this is not the case. It's a, a tragedy that occurs with people that are the best parents, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody does this intentionally and no one thinks it can happen to them. They think that, um, you know, if if one thinks that, I think they're just, misunderstanding the situation that leads to these unfortunate deaths. Uh, There can be a change in routine or simply just routine. You mentioned distraction. We have a lot on our minds or kids get into a car that's unlocked and are playing in a car, for example, and that can lead to this type of outcome. So it's not as though an individual intentionally does anything wrong. You just have to really remind yourself in all cases to pay attention, look before you lock, and then lock your vehicle if it's left alone.
1: You know, I know you mentioned the idea of of looking before you lock your car to ensure that your child is not in the car seat still. Do you have any other advice to help caregivers from unintentionally forgetting their children in their vehicles?
0: Yeah, there's some tricks that you can use. Uh, One would be putting a toy or a teddy bear or something like that on the passenger seat, something that you would notice to remind you that your child is in the back seat. The other thing is, if you're taking your child to a caregiver, to make sure that if that caregiver is expecting you, that they call and say, hey, the child didn't show up, what's going on? That kind of reminder can be helpful. And many uh, daycare centers, for example, would be you know happy to provide that sort of service so that if you didn't remember that you had your child with you and drove straight to work, that you would get that call and uh, that would remind you immediately.
1: One other thing I mentioned up front technology, um, there are a lot of apps, there are devices that you can do. So I have it set where if I walk away from my wallet, right, it will notify my phone. Hey, you walked away from your wallet. Did you intentionally do this? I mean, I think you could do the same thing with putting something on the bassinet in that regard. So, uh, something else that could help you. So there's all kinds of now technology to help this too. So, uh, Nothing beats the old fashioned thing of, you know, putting something you need right beside the youngster that, you know, that you will get it. Friends, uh, this is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. And we're talking with uh, the acting administrator for the NHTSA, uh, Dr. Stephen Cliff. And we're so glad to have uh, Dr. Cliff with us here to talk about this uh, really uh, important issue as we get ready to uh, mark May 1st as National Heatstroke. Prevention Day. And so one of the things we've been talking about how parents and caregivers can prevent this from happening. But then the next issue I want to talk about with you a little bit is when we notice a child in the car unattended. And that first instinct for us is sometimes to help right away, but then other times is to be really uh, hesitant because we don't necessarily want to get involved. So, what about a bystander? What should a person do if they see that a child is left in a car unattended, and the weather is creating very hot conditions?
0: Yeah, the first thing is to call for help. So, nine one one is a is a great option. That's really the first thing that one can do. Um, if you happen to be in a parking lot where there's a store, you could also. Uh, in addition to calling 911 go into the store and ask them to page over the public address system to you know warn a parent that or a caregiver that a child is left in a car
1: right and um you know how many times now we've been hearing i've been um i'm in uh, the PA business for for college football and uh, a lot of other sports and unfortunately we have to make um you know these kinds of announcements you know for parents to please come uh, we've had to do that in in a couple of cases Hopefully you are in that situation, but I know you mentioned many of these deaths occur after a child is left in a car when a caregiver overlooks dropping them off at daycare. Has your team seen any shifts in the number of heat stroke deaths due to more parents working remotely now during the COVID-19 pandemic?
0: Last year, there were fewer fewer deaths than normal, uh, 24. Um, that's less than half of what we saw in 2019, mm-hmm. And that's probably due to more parents working from home since, uh, as you mentioned, it's a common occurrence or uh, unfortunately more common occurrence that children are left in cars when parents are are taking them to daycare and they uh, inadvertently keep them on their way to work. But there's a troubling trend, which is more children are in cars that are at people's homes. And uh, that seems to be the case when a child decides to get into a car and uh, play in a car that's unlocked and uh, ends up in a situation where, uh, you know, they can suffer from heat stroke,
1: you know, and and it's not necessarily always just cars Two boats. Um, I, as a youngster like to, crawl into a space in a boat. But then there was one time where I had gotten uh, fallen asleep and it got way too hot and I had a little issue too. So, I mean, uh, you know, this gained accents is not something, you know, I think we've thought of much before and it certainly is a, a shift in our living situation. You know, if the child does get access to a car, can you share some warning signs that you might be seeing a child suffering from, from a heat stroke? And if they need medical attention, what do we see in that regard?
0: Yeah, if a child has gained access to a a vehicle or other place where it can be hot, the assumption really should be right off the bat that there is the potential for heat stroke. But some warning signs would include red, hot or moist, or dry skin, no sweating, even though the child is hot, changes in pulse rate, uh, headache, dizziness, or confusion, nausea, or just generally being really grouchy or strange behaviors, really anything out of the ordinary. And in all those cases, you should seek medical attention immediately.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Cliff. Do you have any advice for parents to prevent gained access from happening in their homes, especially as it looks like the trend of staying and working from home for parents is going to continue a little bit longer here into the summer, this next summer of 2021?
0: Yeah, I think there's three main things you can do. Lock your vehicle when it's in your garage or driveway keep your keys out of reach and teach your child that a car is never a safe place to play and it's important even if you don't have children to keep your car locked because a neighboring child may may gain access to your car inadvertently and you wouldn't normally be looking for that situation so really keep your car locked when it's in your garage or driveway and keep your keys out of reach
1: Dr. Cliff, thank you for your time. Pediatric vehicular heat stroke can occur anywhere and we will certainly keep reminding you of the following. Never leave a child in a car unintended or a vehicle unintended. Make it a habit to look in the back of your seat every time you exit the car and always lock the car and put the keys out of the reach. If you can kind of keep those three things in mind and then Uh, Take the advice uh, that Dr. Cliff gave uh, for folks that are passive buys, too, and bystanders. Hopefully, we can reverse these trends that we're seeing. Dr. Cliff, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, Dean. I really appreciate your attention to this important issue.
1: If you'd like more information about this situation and anything else that the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration covers, which is uh, car safety, distracted driving, things like that, you can go to their website, NHTSA. That's NHTSA.gov, and there's all kinds of uh, information there that you can use. Again, thanks to Dr. Cliff and the folks at NHTSA. Friends, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Nikki Lobiondo, she's one of our newer forecasters here at AccuWeather. You can see her work on AccuWeather.com and some of our other media products. She'll be with us to talk about this weather for the upcoming weekend off to a windy and wild start in the northeast this weekend and a lot of warmth in parts of the country. We'll detail that when we come back after this. This is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. From AccuWeather.com, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore as we continue on in our spring series here with a week of weather that's been extremely volatile. I'm joined by meteorologist Nicole Lobiando. This is uh Nikki's first time with us here on Everything Under the Sun and Nikki's uh, a newer addition to the AccuWeather forecasting team. You can read some of her work on accuweather.com and uh she really has a good sense of the weather. The only thing that I find interesting about Nikki is uh, you know her sense of what's good weather is a little bit off. <laughs> <tall>. Nikki, <laughs> welcome. It's Everything Under the Sun. You grew up in the Perkiomen Valley there, right? Uh, the Perkiomen Valley High School you went to, is that is that
2: right? <coughs> Yep, exactly. Um, Southeastern PA is uh, my home, so right outside of King of Prussia, there.
1: Yeah, just just north of the turnpike. So, you know, to me, it seems like I would have been favoring more that what two hour jaunt to the Jersey Shore to get to the beach. Is it is it about that (laughs) much, right? But then I guess in the same token, you're just an hour or so away from the Poconos, so you know good winter weather. And that's the thing that's kind of funny about Nikki. Not not that you're. It's funny. It's just interesting that you like winter weather better than summer. I mean, you really love winter weather, don't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, These past few days here where we've had the surge of warm air, um, it has been a little miserable for me, I'm not going to lie. And that's probably a very controversial statement to make um, because most people love the warm weather and they feel it and they're like, finally, it's about time. But all I can think about is being out in the snow and in the cold. I'm also a really avid snowboarder. um, So I find a lot of joy in the wintertime doing that activity. Mm -hmm. And I also love photography too. So I love to go hiking and take pictures of picturesque scenes in the wintertime. And it really just is enjoyable for me.
1: Yeah. And and you're right there. I mean, uh, close Bear Creek, but then also, you know, all the great Pocono ski resorts. So as a boarding girl, you must've had a lot of places to ride there. Yeah, that's it. It is out of the norm. I mean, most, especially in your generation, aren't big fans of of the wintry stuff. I gotta say, like for me, I like the seasonality. I like, I like a you know a few months of this, and then a few months of that, and then a few months of the next thing. And I like the progression. I think the problem is, at least as I've seen it over the fifty plus years that I've been looking at the weather, and as you've been looking at it over twenty years in your lifetime. The changes seem to be more abrupt and quicker, right? So it seems like we've lengthened the main seasons of spring and uh, summer and winter a bit. And then our, our transitional seasons, you know, we've just coming off where we went into summer mode for a few days and then we're flipping right back to some wintry chill for at least a day or two. So uh, it's been pretty incredible to me, Nikki, to, to see these kinds of flips. And they certainly have some uh, problems that they cause. And we're seeing that with uh, rain and wind and all kinds of stuff here We go in the next couple of days.
2: I, I feel like we've had a pretty mild March um, on the East Coast in general. I mean, hasn't really been any two major um, east coast storms or any you know late season um, snowfall really so for those people that really don't enjoy you know shoveling snow and stuff like that we kind of got off easy um, towards the end of the season here to now, be speaking
1: honest. speaking of snow I do think there's a chance to see a little bit of accumulating snow as we head into this weekend as this podcast drops on Friday morning uh, Friday night and it's Saturday up in the uh, upstate New York area there's just enough of a a little piece of energy that's going to move through and a cold enough situation that I, I think some of those places, don't you think Nikki could wake up with a a coating to an inch or two on the ground. And some of those, maybe the tug Hill parts of the Northern Catskills there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when you get into the Adirondacks too, and, and even the Green Mountains in Vermont and you know Mount Washington up in New Hampshire. I do believe they got some snow the other day there. I was looking at of course I follow them on Facebook and Twitter um to see when they get uh snow and stuff like that. Right. Um so yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Um, and especially as far south as the cat So maybe some people in northeastern Pennsylvania could maybe snow chase up there potentially. The,
1: the the good news for those of us who don't like this kind of stuff in April <laughs> or even early May, and, and honestly, there's another Shot that first weekend in May, right? There's a the, the we were talking about that in the office this morning. Is this the another shot of cold air uh, next weekend? It's a little chilly for my liking, and certainly my tulips' liking, although. Uh, They're starting to actually get a little past peak. I was just talking to somebody in New York. They feel like they're a couple of weeks ahead. There's places in the country that have warmed up so fast that uh, the growing season is well underway and kind of ahead of schedule. And as we look at the weekend map, one of those very warm areas, uh, central plains all the way back to the southwest, back to L.A., Very warm, looks unsettled along the Gulf Coast here this weekend with some showers and thunderstorms. And then there's some rain and then even some snow up in the uh, Canadian Plains, just uh, next bumping up to the Canadian Rockies. So a lot of the country, though. Nikki looks dry. It's a very uh, kind of a quiet pattern here going into the weekend with just that little dip in the jet stream uh, in the Northeast. The rest of it pretty flat and very inconsequential, it seems, compared to some of the big ticket items we've seen over the last couple of weeks at times.
2: Yeah, yeah. And especially um, a suppressed, uh, severe setup too. Uh, just, you know, some showers and thunderstorms along the you know, uh, Texas and Gulf Coast there. But um, otherwise, like you said, relatively quiet um, from what we've been seeing.
1: One thing that we're keeping an eye on here as we go through, the, at least where this podcast drops and starts is some heavier showers and thunderstorms along the Gulf coast, especially the Western side down around Texas and up to just about new Orleans. Uh, and then the other thing that I'm, I think we need to keep an eye on is again, um, uh, the wind here. Friday is going to get to very windy in the Northeast for several hours into the evening hours. Uh, it could be some down trees, power line problems, uh, Very stout west-northwest wind, but at least that starts easing up as we get into the weekend. But that's going to be another scenario that even though we don't got a lot of rain on the forecast map here, the weekend starts out pretty windy in the northeast.
2: Especially like Pennsylvania um, and, you know, all the way to to New York City and across the northeast. Like you were saying, Dean, is uh, we could see uh, as that cold front pushes south, um, the winds behind it. Uh, the Northwest winds really do um, set up and cause uh, potentially blustery conditions across the Northeast. I wouldn't say it's it's terribly cold, but it'll feel colder um, just because of the wind whipping. and
1: right. Are, yeah, for, for about yeah. a 24-hour period there, it's going to feel kind of chilly later Friday, Friday night and into Saturday morning. But then it looks like in those areas, the winds actually become more favorable, relax a bit for the afternoon, and then the wind's helping us Sunday in the Northeast, it's going to get more pleasant. A lot of heat building, uh, Nikki, here as we need to wrap up. Uh, A lot of heat now starting to build again uh, this weekend in the Southwest. And it looks like that's going to eject into the middle of the country over the weekend itself. And after this little chill down, it does look like it does warm up again early part of next week in the east. So we keep getting these little undulations, kind of a roller coaster ride wherever you are. It's warm for a couple of days, cool for a couple of days, and it looks like that pattern continues as we get into next week.
2: Yep, exactly. That's what spring's all about, right?
1: Right, right. We just don't want the the roller coaster ride to be too uh, too harrowing yes. with the big dips and big rises, uh, just like some of your snowboard runs, right? What's the yeah, what's exactly. the what's what's your best place that you've ever ridden um, and and boarded, what's your best uh, run so far in your life?
2: Um, I've been to Utah um, mm. out west yeah. um, and uh, Park City mm. um, and around those mountains. So, those are definitely on th- the top of my list. But um, make, I us, also make lo- us
1: look a little hilly, just a little hills here in the eastern part of the country when you get out there. And, yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, and more opportunities to get, you know, untouched snow. And then that's, I know for snowboarders, that's just a, a thrill when you can get to a place where. You're the first one going down in that, that powder. It's pretty fun.
2: Exactly. Shred- shredding the gnar. As shredding
1: a- the oh, gnar, yes.
2: <laughs> Nikki, it's, <laughs> been, it's,
1: it's fine. It's been great to catch up with you. We welcome you to AccuWeather. It's been a couple of years now, and we look forward to working with you going forward. Thanks for being with us here on Everything Under the Sun.
2: Thanks, Dean. Friends, if you'd like to
1: see some of Nikki's pictures, and, and she is an amazing photographer. She's just such a well-rounded person, not only a great photographer. She's a certified snowboard instructor and one of our AccuWeather meteorologists. You can follow her on both Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, it's a little different uh, handle. It's AquaCoupon, A-Q-U-A-Coupon, C-O-U-P-O-N, A-Q-U-A coupon, C-O-U-P-O-N, aqua coupon on both Instagram and Twitter. I'd to ask Nikki what AquaCoupon is all about next time she visits with us. Also, another thanks to uh, Dr. Stephen Cliff, the acting administrator for the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, or NHTSA, as it's called, with all that great information about vehicular pediatric heat stroke and how we can prevent it. As we get into next week, our first full week of May, George Ball, the executive chairman and owner of Burpees, the seed company. Yeah, they'll be here to talk to us about what's been an amazing trend in gardening and interest in the outdoors. And it certainly has uh, put the new perspective on folks that are dealing with that. And I think George has some great perspective on that following week for episode nine, we're looking at the state of Florida being unseated as the, capital of the nation in terms of lightning strikes. It looks like another state has surpassed it at least in the last several years. Which state? That's coming up on the show week that drops May 14th. And then beyond that, uh, we're looking at an app harvest, a mission-driven ag tech company on May 21st, our 10th spring episode. Uh, Large-scale, high-tech indoor farms in economically disadvantaged areas of Appalachia. That's going to be an interesting topic. So lots to talk about over the next three weeks. Great thanks to our executive producers who helped put a lot of this together, both uh, Andrew Robb and Ken Prell. And so many thanks to our hundreds of team members across the world at AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com who help keep you weatherproofed every day. Pleasure to be your host for Everything Under the Sun. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. We'll talk to you next week, Episode 8 of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Hold up. What was that?